Well, welcome back. Hour two of our little show, and it is the third Tuesday of the month. And that brings us to uh, Dr. Ray Pete, who's been at this uh, nutrition healing game for a very, very long time. Dr. Ray Pete, good morning. Good morning. Oh, how are you, Doc? I'm very good. You're feeling, you're looking pretty good. We have a picture of you up there. Sorry uh, we couldn't uh, get Dr. Pete on the, on the video because you're, you're much of a, somewhat of a Luddite. You don't have a microphone or camera oh, or any of that stuff. I have a, a new Dell monitor, but it doesn't have a camera. It doesn't or have a camera. Or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. How's your life these days? Where, what have you been doing? What are you most passionate about? What do you, what have you been thinking about in, in your world of, Health and healing. I'm uh, working on a, a newsletter on progesterone for this month. Uh, something I've been working on for 50 years, but uh, always something new to think about. Really? Now, what could possibly be going on with progesterone that would warrant that kind of attention in so long? Talk, talk about that. Uh, but partly that uh, the industry is. Uh, reverting to some of the old myths about it. Uh, the, the estrogen industry, uh, pe- people discover the, the dangers of, of estrogen, and that moves uh, interest uh, towards progesterone use. And then the estrogen industry has to defend itself because it's a multi-billion dollar a year industry, and so they uh, subsidize studies uh, to uh, m- make people worry about uh, the risks of progesterone. Uh, they're starting to say that uh, anything that estrogen is known to cause for 100 years, uh, they're starting to say, well, uh, really progesterone is involved in it. So it's distracting attention from the dangers of estrogen. And... Uh, uh, in the absence of any real information, uh, they're, they're just putting putting the thought out there that uh, if estrogen does it, maybe a progesterone is really uh, involved somehow. So when we talk about estrogen, are we speaking of the estrogenic foods? Oh, oh no. No, uh, the, just the, the, the supplement. The drugs. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, the... the Industry got started uh, when uh, someone synthesized a, a very simple uh, chemical that uh, triggered the the whole uh, fertility cycle in uh, mice and rats. Uh, in the 30s, uh, someone uh, w- was thinking about the fact that chimney sweeps. Uh, got uh, cancer of the scrotum in the 18th century really? uh, f- from getting soot and not not bathing, uh, and uh, uh, that led to someone uh, putting soot on rabbits and finding that it was very carcinogenic. But they noticed that uh, besides uh, causing skin cancer, it, it triggered estrus in in the female uh, rabbits. And so they did extracts of soot and found that there were uh, hundreds of estrogenic substances in soot. In the soot, which came from the wood, I guess? Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you put a, a piece of cold 
metal or, or porcelain or something in the flame of a candle or a Bunsen burner or anything. Yeah. And carbon spontaneously uh, condenses uh, at high temperature. Uh, methane is a single uh, atom of carbon with hydrogen. And when it burns, uh, like if you uh, have have a cloud of, of natural gas uh, and it explodes, it creates a, a cloud of soot, uh, uh, which, which uh, results when the single atom uh, of carbon surrounded by hydrogen uh, condenses spontaneously into very symmetrical uh, six-membered rings and then uh, ten members and uh, on each ring uh, being a, a hexagon of, of carbon atoms. Uh, some of the uh, cyclic molecules uh, are huge and they being uh, very uh, large, heavy, uh, stick to each other and, and form these uh, gobs of of black material, uh, each uh, uh, molecule ha- has this pattern, six, six-membered rings, which happens to be analogous to the steroid molecule. Uh, the steroid molecule has, has three six-membered rings and one five-membered ring. And when those um, don't have the proper uh, oxygen uh, uh, atoms added in the, in the right places, uh, they act as estrogen. So you can get a million different estrogenic substances just from uh, uh, soot. Wow, that's uh, fascinating. So, so the estrogen industry realized that uh, uh, everyone could have a patented uh, unique molecule and sell it as uh, as estrogen, which they called the female hormone, um, because uh, it uh, can be found in uh, the ovary of a pregnant animal. Uh, so they advertised that they were selling the female hormone, which would uh, they they said would make. Uh, women more fertile because if it's a female hormone uh, being uh, fertile is what uh, supposedly characterizes uh, uh, women Uh, and so they convinced even Harvard doctors uh, two of of them uh, did did studies uh, giving uh, this basically a a soot derivative uh, diethylstilbestrol uh, to pregnant women claiming uh, that it prevented miscarriage. But the, the animal uh, studies in the 1930s and early 40s had all demonstrated that uh, every kind of estrogen creates uh, a miscarriage or, or stillbirth. Uh, my thesis advisor uh, was one of the uh, early researchers showing that as you increase the dose of estrogen, uh, you, you can uh, create a, a, an abortion or miscarriage at any stage of pregnancy. A very tiny dose will prevent implantation, 
a larger dose will cause miscarriage at the first week, a bigger dose at the second week, and so on. Uh, so they, they knew that estrogen caused miscarriages, but they were selling it to the public to prevent miscarriage. Wow, just the opposite. because they could. Yeah. So, wow. So what's the takeaway? Oh, by the way, Ray Pete has a Ph.D. in biology from the University of Oregon, specialization in physiology, and he's taught at the University of Oregon, Urbana College, Montana State University, and been involved in natural medicine for a very long time. I guess, could you go back to, I guess your early work was uh, um, in the late 60s, right, with hormones? Um, yeah, and my uh, dissertation advisor, Arnold Soderwall, uh, was the person who did these uh, some of these early studies showing that yeah. that estrogen is a miscarriage. So, so what is the what's the biggest piece of misinformation to our to our lady? Well, both ladies and gentlemen listening around the world about estrogen and progesterone. What, what is what is out there that most people believe that you believe or is untrue? Um, well, uh, lots of doctors still refer to progesterone as the pregnancy hormone. Mm -hmm. uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, someone said her doctor uh, said she had had her uterus removed, so she didn't need progesterone because progesterone is only the pregnancy hormone. Mm. Uh, an absolutely ridiculous idea going back to the 1940s. Doctors were taught that to sell estrogen. <laughs> to get pregnant, to get pregnant. Yeah, yeah. and they knew that estrogen causes cancer of the uterus. That that was one of the early demonstration of soot. That estrogens of all sorts. The first, most sensitive organ is the uterus. Uh, then the breast, then the brain, then the lungs, uh, then every other tissue, but it's just a matter of sensitivity, uh, and the uterus is most sensitive. And then someone discovered, uh, uh, actually, about 1945, it was already discovered that progesterone prevented uterine cancer uh, from estrogen. And uh, so they said, if you take estrogen uh, and don't want uterine cancer, then you should take progesterone with it. But then uh, the uh, profitable thing was to do a hysterectomy. And so uh, uh, hysterectomies were, were being done. Uh, every Everyone uh, by the age of 30 or 35 was being urged to have a hysterectomy. Really? And without the uterus, and they said, there's no need for progesterone. So the woman would have her ovaries and uterus removed, and they would refuse to give her progesterone because supposedly the the uterus was the only organ that needed progesterone, being a pregnancy hormone. But in the 1930s, the ovaries were found to produce uh, hundreds of times more quantity uh, of progesterone than estrogen. Uh, estrogen is really a, a minor 
uh, hormone uh, from the uh, uh, ovary. Uh, in experimental uh, surgery, uh, people have demonstrated that uh, when they measured the amount of estrogen coming out of the ovary as a control, they measured the the blood coming out of the monkey's arm and found that the arm was producing as much estrogen as the ovary. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the, the idea of, of uh, estrogen as an ovarian hormone is uh, really... Uh, out of context, when every tissue of the animal uh, produces a, a large amount of estrogen when it's under stress. So laying, uh, it, laying it out as you have been, you can see how there's so much confusion in the in the medical world and the natural world about these hormones. I, yeah, I, I thought a lot of that had been settled 30 or 40 years ago, but uh, doctors are still being told <laughs> if you don't have a uterus, you don't need progesterone, when uh, the brain is uh, one of the biggest sources of progesterone. Uh, the placenta in pregnancy, uh, the corpus luteum of, of the ovary, the brain, uh, the brain uh, contains 10 times the concentration of progesterone that the blood serum does. Uh, and the skin is another major source of progesterone. Uh, but when you take out the ovaries, uh, you're putting uh, an extra load uh, on the brain and the skin to uh, uh, maintain the concentration of progesterone. So, what's what's the best advice you can give to our to our lady listeners, ladies around the world right now regarding these two hormones, whether supplementation or just just in general? I know you don't do medical advice to to help them to understand what they should or should not be looking at or doing or not doing? Uh, well, they're very likely to be told still 60, 70 years after it mm-hmm. was proven false, uh, told that estrogen is a, a lifelong female hormone. Uh, but old men uh, rival women of the same age in the amount of estrogen being produced because it's a stress hormone produced by tissue of any sort under stress. Uh, So uh, question the claim that uh, uh, aging is uh, evidence of of a need for more estrogen. Uh, Old tissue uh, increasingly tends to make estrogen. Uh, But the opposite is true. Uh, uh, progesterone failure is the, the primary thing that brings on menopause. Uh, the, the monthly surge of progesterone uh, produces uh, the monthly cycle. Is the uh, outstanding feature of the monthly cycle. Uh, when that stops, uh, what is left is a, a surge of estrogen, which is not no longer balanced by progesterone. But that's the natural way it works for ladies, though, right? I mean, that's the that's the way it's been set up to do a god thing, kind of the, uh, when um, the monthly cycle ends, like in menopause. Well, uh, the, the stress symptoms increase as menopause approaches, uh, and and the healthier the woman is, uh, the longer she's able to maintain these monthly surges 
uh, of progesterone. Uh, and uh, uh, with, with supplementation, uh, uh, it's possible to keep menstruating uh, to a much older age. Is that a sign of, of health in general, the longer a lady menstruates? I think so. Oh, interesting. And then the, 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 you know, the hot flashes and all that, people have said that that's due to possible toxicity in the lady's body. Is that, was, can you relate to that? Is that? Um, stress, uh, even in, in the twenties or younger, uh, I've known women having, uh, hot flashes, uh, that were resolved when they took thyroid or uh, a progesterone to, to normalize, uh, prevent the stress. Oh, the, with the thyroid functioning more appropriately, they're able to deal with the stress more easily. Uh, yeah, and one of one of the immediate uh, chemical changes that produces the hot flash in the skin is a surge of nitric oxide of uh, vasodilation. Oh, uh, and dilates the blood vessels. Yeah, and unopposed estrogen is a powerful activator uh, of nitric oxide. Uh, and so uh, I, I'm convinced that uh, unopposed estrogen is the, the cause of the uh, hot flashes. And uh, doctors looking only at, at a blood test of estrogen will say no. Uh, at menopause, uh, a woman's estrogen in the in the serum is very low. But uh, th- this has been uh, very competently studied. Uh, if you take uh, a bit of tissue uh, and compare it to the serum. This has been done not only in animals, but in women during menopause and in pregnancy and in the cycle. Uh, a bit of tissue compared to the serum, the tissue has 10 or 20 times more estrogen uh, than the serum. And what makes the difference? What can uh, put raise the estrogen in the serum is progesterone. So if you're deficient in progesterone, your tissue is likely to have 10 or 20 times more estrogen than shows up in the blood. Uh, When you have a normal cycle with progesterone, the progesterone does 8 or 10 different uh, chemical actions causing the tissue content of the estrogen to decrease. And as it decreases in in the cell, it enters the bloodstream uh, on its way to the kidneys and liver to be excreted. But in the absence of progesterone, those ch- changes that release uh, progesterone to be excreted, release estrogen to be excreted, don't happen, and so the estrogen stays inside the the, the cell at a concentration much higher than in the blood. So that's part of the idea you said, unopposed estrogen. The oppo- opposition would be the balance of progesterone. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, and why does that get low? Does it just living on planet Earth with stress and diet and everything, why the progesterone levels go too low? Um, yeah. Uh, pro- uh, for, for 
pregnancy uh, to be safe for both the mother and the baby, the, the placenta uh, must produce uh, a huge amount of, of progesterone every day, mm. hundreds, hundreds of milligrams per day, uh, uh, rising all the way through pregnancy uh, to a peak uh, approaching a, a gram a day. Oh. Uh, but um, when the when the woman or animal is under stress, uh, the um, uh, the stress turns changes the pituitary and all the other glands to to avoid pregnancy. Uh, a stressed animal of any sort uh, uh, would be less likely to survive if it got pregnant. Ah. Uh, so the trick is that uh, pr- pregnancy is prevented by by stress for, for the safety of, of the mother. So it's a natural kind of evolutionary thing. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. And it works the same way with uh, bears or deers or girls. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Stress specifically uh, turns off, off progesterone for, huh. for the, the avoidance of pregnancy. Yeah. You talk to, we've talked to so many ladies over the years that get stressed out, of course, because they want to get pregnant, right? It's just, it's hard, you know, because they're mm-hmm. all worried and concerned about not getting, being able to get um, pregnant. Yeah, yeah, there are lots of stories about a couple that gives up sure. uh, getting getting pregnant, adopt adopt a kid, uh, and immediately she gets pregnant That's because right. the have, stress is relieved. We have more kids than we need, right? So what's the idea, though, that... Many feel like a little bit of progesterone cream, just a dab or so, helps to keep testosterone levels better for guys. What's going on there? And is that is that a reliable thing to look at for guys, Leslie? I've heard that from several men over the years. Uh, my first uh, experiences uh, experimenting with progesterone was that it would stop my whiskers growing for a couple of days <laughs> because a, a good dose of it uh, blocks. The, that's one of its functions is to uh, block uh, uh, hormones that, that could interfere with pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so it puts progesterone puts everything down the middle when when it's high in pregnancy. Uh, you don't want uh, any stray hormones uh, disturbing the pregnancy. So uh, that that's one of the functions of progesterone is to uh, aim at survival uh, rather than uh, uh, whisk, whiskers or. Uh, uh, Production of, of large amounts of collagen or bone material or anything, so it it keeps things right down the middle. Oh, so it's not necessarily a testosterone builder or a more anabolic uh, uh, thing. The test uh, progesterone cream. Uh, no, it, it just uh, blocks the stress, and if you get it at the right level, uh, you don't have enough to block the testosterone, just enough to block the stress and leave your own testosterone. So you you're sounding like you wouldn't for the guys don't even mess with it you wouldn't do it is that um, um, no no, no? Um, most most of the uh, men that I've known who who used it it, it did uh, uh, shrink the penis and uh, stop whisker growth it shrinks uh, the penis uh, temporarily why uh, because testosterone is, is maintaining the circulation 
uh, and uh, it's uh, the, the nitric oxide thing that causes vasodilation. Uh, that, that really isn't the mechanism uh, of erection. It's testosterone, which uh, gives muscle tone to the veins, which uh, empty the, the penis, uh, and the nitric oxide opens the vessels into the penis. Uh, so they're they're uh, doing the same thing in different ways, but the the right amount of testosterone maintains a certain tone in the exit uh, vessels, uh, 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 allowing a, a considerable amount of blood to stay there, even in the, the, the passive state. Right. So I'm kind of confused. So uh, this little dab of progesterone that many guys do to keep their testosterone levels up, is is that does it work? I mean, is that good? I mean, I'm kind of confused. Sorry. Um, it, at just exactly the right amount, it can uh, leave the luteinizing hormone active uh, and let the uh, testicle continue producing okay. uh, an adequate amount of testosterone. So how would you know but, what just the right amount is? Um, I think only by trial and error because... Uh, I've known men who uh, had anti-testosterone symptoms with 10 milligrams, uh, others who uh, felt an increase uh, of testosterone with the same small dose. So you'd have to be... Yeah, I think most of the progesterone, the one I saw from Dr. Wong, they they talk about a little, and it's from yams, I think, just a little tiny bit, just a a dab or so of this this cream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Wow, that gets a little tricky. You gotta be careful with that. You mess around with that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Ray Pete is with us. Stay right there, Dr. Pete. We have lots to talk about this morning. It's an honor to have him on our show on the third Tuesday. If you care to, um, have a question, you can just email Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. We're learning quite a bit about uh, hydrogen and some of the cool things that you can do. Uh, that hydrogen does. You just Google molecular hydrogen and a lot of fun things are going on in some of the more mainstream areas of life. The, uh, um, with the stroke victims are using hydrogen along with oxygen to help the stroke victims to heal. And uh, then we learned from Dr. Thomas Levy that uh, oxidation, he believes, is one of the chief causes of disease. And then uh, uh, well, you can hear the story uh, right here on the on the uh, the promotion of this hydrogen thing, and it might be of interest to you. Oop, I pressed the wrong button. Sorry, I just pressed the wrong button. I got it now. I got it. Previously, with the highly credentialed Dr. Thomas Levy, he argues because the literature shows that oxidation is the cause of disease. But the whole point is the location the concentration, the duration, the distribution of oxidized biomolecules determines 100% of all diseases. And so that's why I say oxidative stress doesn't cause disease. Oxidation is disease. Is disease. If there's no oxidized biomolecules, you don't have a toxin. The toxic effect is oxidation of biomolecules. That's the entirety of it. And by the grace of God, several months ago, George Wiseman said this about hydrogen. 
hydrogen is the world's best antioxidant by a long shot. Hmm. First of all, it's 700 times uh, smaller than something like uh, CoQ10, 400 times smaller than vitamin C, things like that. So it can literally go, the hydrogen molecule can literally go through everything in your body and go right into the very DNA and repair it. So now it makes sense why George was able to say this back in August 2019 with such conviction. The body accepts that gas and uses it to heal everything. It's like the fountain of youth. It's a, astonishing the amount of ailments. In fact, in scientific studies, and they have over a thousand scientific studies now, they are showing that it either helps the body heal directly or indirectly from virtually every ailment that ails any water-based life form. Okay, I'm sold. And I was able to get one a couple of months ago, thanks to your support. It's called the AquaCure Hydrogen Machine. Breathe the gas and bubble the water. There's a promo code One Radio for 10% discount. I think a great investment for you, knowing what we know now. On OneRadioNetwork.com. So, it's pretty cool. I'm, I've been really enjoying uh, the uh, the hydrogen machine. And uh, I can tell you, there are some interesting things going on that that I'm just not I'm not sure why or something but but things are getting better for me I'm sleeping better I'm feeling just more comfortable in my body which uh, you know for me is just kind of a you know just something nice going on I'm feeling some less um, the numbness in my little toes after a couple months on the hydrogen of course I do some other things so I can't honestly say for sure you know that's what it is but we like it. We think there's a lot of science behind it. There is a lot of science behind it. We don't think we know. I saw one article that hydrogen was being used as medicine back in 1888. The Annals of Surgery recorded one of the very first publications that linked hydrogen to medicine. It referred to Dr. Nicholas Sen, who at the time was using hydrogen for intestinal applications. And they have, the, they have all the things here that you can look and check it out and see if what they just said is just made up or what. So, it's interesting. I think there's something here for you. Uh, there's a lifetime warranty and, uh, uh, and then a one year money back warranty if you, uh, if you don't, if you don't like it. And you just get the, you just get it back. Okay, I've got to do one thing. Something just locked up on me quickly, but not to worry. I know how to do it. We got a little thing that does that. I think that's going to work. And sorry. I think we're just 60 seconds away from Dr. Ray Pete. Previously with Daniel Vitalis, we were talking about yeah, pine pollen. Pollen is essentially the equivalent of what an animal would have as sperm. Pollen is like the male part, the semen. And it fertilizes the ovum of the flower, which becomes eventually a fruit. And so if we were going to draw the equivalence, it would be like that the flower is like the, the female sex organ and the pollen is like the male sexual ejaculate. Well, pine trees, which sort of just dominate so much of the landscape of North America and so much of the world, pine trees, they're seen and they, they dust the landscape in pollen. And that pollen, being the sort of male part of the plant, has some correspondences to male uh, physiology in our species and many other animal species. So what I'm saying is pine pollen contains all of these different anabolic or androgenic hormones, plant versions of hormones that we need like testosterone 
like DHEA. Well, the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees. Good stuff, guys, and few girls, too. Several choices of pine pollen and Easter Thrival Lake. One Radio Network dot com. Know the source. One Radio Network. Pine pollen's on sale for three days. We have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Big sale pine pollen. Any of these are thrival links on OneRadioNetwork.com. Know the source. The source. OneRadioNetwork.com. It's the third Tuesday of the month, and Dr. Ray Pete, I, so much. Thank you so much, Doc, for coming on once a month. I'm getting emails from around the world. You got a lot of fans. How, how did all these people find you over the years? I'm real curious. I mean, you have a pretty standard kind of basic website, and you don't out there promote. People just found you. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Huh. Uh, in the seventies, uh, when I started giving out samples of thyroid and and progesterone dissolved in vitamin E, uh, people got such tremendous results. Uh, just just giving huh. it away to to uh, whoever happened by. Uh, right? They started uh, talking about uh, the, the amazing things that happened with progesterone and, and uh, thyroid, and it has just spread. So, so long ago, you were actually giving out little samples of progesterone and vitamin E, and also the thyroid, the piggy thyroid in the vitamin E, and people were just. Uh, um, no? Uh, yeah, I, I bought a, a small barrel of Armour thyroid powder, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, at that time, uh, it was popular, popular to use uh, powdered kelp as a dietary supplement, ah, yeah. and so I would put a, a little bit of, of Armour thyroid uh, powder in with a powdered kelp and tell them it was a, a, a weak uh, form of natural uh, thyroid, and they were they were acquainted with the idea of using kelp as a supplement, but uh, the, the thyroid uh, w- was really the the active component. Interesting. So, um, what, what kind of experiences were, and how much were you giving this little dose of the progesterone and the vitamin E? How much? What kind of experience were the guys? Having the, uh, and the women too were having different good experiences. Oh, oh um, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, one suicidal uh, young woman, twenty-one or twenty-two years old. Uh, every uh, two weeks, she became absolutely suicidal, and uh, her husband had hired her a babysitter to keep her from killing herself, and uh, finally uh, committed her. Uh, to, to the, the local psychiatric ward, but because it was cyclic, she was in uh, for a week and w- was perfectly sane uh, the week she was in. But as soon as she got out, uh, she uh, tried to uh, turn on the gas and and kill herself. So her husband brought her over, and I had she was sobbing as he he brought her in, and I, I gave her a, a bottle of. Uh, progesterone in oil and told her to to go in the bathroom and and spread it all over her body and she came out and within five minutes had stopped sobbing and the the bulging veins on her hand 
disappeared uh, as the next phase. Uh, Forty minutes after putting it on, uh, she was smiling. And exactly 45 minutes after putting the oil on, she said, it's like night turning into day. I wish I could always uh, feel this good. And uh, two weeks later, uh, she uh, the same thing happened. She uh, uh, went into the suicidal state, and uh, the, I had given her uh, progesterone d- dissolved in uh, oil, uh, vegetable oil, and it hadn't stayed in solution. So she had oiled herself, but wasn't getting the dissolved progesterone, uh, and uh, so she was suicidal again. Mm. But uh, when I gave her some uh, of the actual uh, dissolved material, exactly the same cycle. Uh, the, the sobbing stopped, the veins disappeared, the smile, uh, and at 45 minutes, uh, exactly the same sort of uh, uh, from Experience. black to white yeah. uh, mood, mood change. Interesting. And And the guys in general, what kind of things, feedback did you get from them? And how much how much progesterone were you giving in that little dose? Uh, oh, um, uh, two or three men uh, rubbed it on their scalp every day uh, and uh, got fuzz to grow <laughs> no in, in about f- four or five weeks. Uh, they were getting uh, probably twenty milligrams a day on their head. It was that affecting raising testosterone levels to cause the, the hair to grow. It was one of them that mentioned the mm-hmm. shrinkage thing. Yeah. After all these years with progesterone for men, you have a kind of a gram or a milligram standard that you would kind of start guys at if they wanted to experiment with it? I have five milligrams. Five milligrams. I guess you could, I don't know how you'd measure that, but somehow. Hmm. Really interesting. Dr. Ray Pete is with us. We have a lot of good emails. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Here's an email for you, Dr. Pete. Here's a gentleman that says, you recommend 2,000 milligrams calcium per day. A concern expressed by other nutritionists is that calcium may not go to the bones, but into the soft tissue and other places causing systemic damage over time. If one does take your suggestion, what are the prerequisite actions or physiological cell metabolism assumptions you are making for taking uh, 2,000 milligrams? And what kind of calcium? I, I know there are still lots of doctors and nutritionists who have that idea, but what the parathyroid gland is uh, constantly uh, regulating, responding to conditions. And if you eat an excess of calcium and a moderate or low amount of phosphate, the parathyroid gland becomes uh, very passive, especially if, if you have adequate vitamin D. Hmm. And and the parathyroid gland, its main function seems to be to take calcium out of the bone and uh, bring it into the blood. But a side effect of taking it out of the bone is that it uh, activates take up uh, by the soft tissue and keeping the parathyroid gland as inhibited as possible leaves your bones uh, un- unaltered. Uh, 
the calcium can still go in, but the parathyroid isn't going to be uh, bringing it out of the bones into the bloodstream where it can uh, affect the blood vessels. And, and when you eat an excess uh, of calcium uh, uh, and have a, an adequate vitamin a, uh, vitamin D level in your body, the calcium passes right through your uh, kidneys into the urine. Hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. if your um, parathyroid is active, uh, it, it can uh, uh, form, form uh, stones on the way out. Uh, the, the blood uh, uh, ability to keep it in solution uh, changes, and it's that same change that causes it to go into the uh, blood vessel wall. Uh, carbon dioxide is uh, the factor that keeps the uh, uh, calcium in solution in the bloodstream and uh, stable in the bones. Uh, uh, calcium carbonate is the first uh, molecule deposited in the bone, and it's gradually changed uh, to calcium phosphate. Uh, but carbon dioxide is responsible for putting it into the bone. Um, when the parathyroid hormone is active, it forms lactic acid in the bone, and it's lactic acid that dissolves, r- removes the uh, calcium from the bone. Uh-huh. So, so the balance of carbon dioxide versus um, uh, lactic acid is under the control of parathyroid hormone in the bone. And that same process happening in the blood vessels, uh, the uh, carbon dioxide keeps the calcium uh, dissolved, ionized in solution. But the lactic acid, uh, if it is uh, allowed to uh, form either in the blood or blood vessels, that counteracts uh, the carbon dioxide, precipitates calcium, uh, and forms hardening of the arteries and uh, kidney stones and so on. Uh, so keeping uh, the parathyroid hormone low uh, and your carbon dioxide uh, production high relative to lactic acid mm-hmm. uh, is is what's going to keep bones strong and arteries soft. Arteries soft. That's why Dr. Cowan, the fellow on the heart, he's a proponent of keeping the lactic acid levels low. So that's I'm, probably why, because he, he knows it, 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 it happens or it's tied in with the calcium deposits potentially in the arteries. Um, uh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, prolactin and cortisol and parathyroid hormone uh, all tend to interfere with carbon dioxide production. Uh, progesterone and thyroid are, are the things that most support the production of carbon dioxide and suppress the formation of lactic acid. Suppress it. Yeah, this ties right in. Jerome says that I have some history of my grandfather and father having a stroke, one in the brain and one uh, in his, in around his heart. Uh, can Dr. P give me some ideas how I can, some things I can do or not do to strengthen uh, my arteries and veins so they don't have a problem later in life? That's a good question. So is that what a stroke is? Is a stroke where the veins will just actually... Kind of, um, 
No, uh, no there, there are two main kinds of stroke. Okay. Uh, one, one in which a, a clot forms uh-huh. and plugs up to small arteries, uh, and the other uh, where a blood vessel uh, breaks and, and leaks uh, blood. Uh, it, it could form mm-hmm. a, a giant clot outside of the, the blood vessel, so it's a, a bleeding stroke. Or a clotted stroke. There's two different kinds. Let's first and, talk about. And then there, there, oh, there's another oh. relatively harmless thing, which is a, a transient ischemic attack. That's where the uh, arteries or, or capillaries close down uh, because uh, carbon dioxide isn't being produced. Isn't uh, being produced. So that's what they call these mini strokes, Doc. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the ischemic kind of things that these are, they're not good, but they're not life-threatening. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so before we get to the clot, let's talk about the carbon dioxide. Um, we overbreathe that that releases carbon dioxide. Uh, yeah, breathing fast. That, you you lose carbon dioxide when you breathe too hard. Too hard. And a low thyroid person is producing very little CO two, and so it takes very little overbreathing ah. uh, for a hypothyroid person to. Um, experience uh, that constriction of blood vessels from loss of CO2. Interesting. So that's another reason to keep that thyroid happy and in a good shape so you can retain more CO2. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the low thyroid people who uh, suffer high altitude sickness ah. because to get uh, more oxygen in thin air, they overbreathe. Is, is clotting, going back to the Jerome's question on clotting on the uh, potential strokes, is that the number one? The, uh, yeah, that, that's cause? by far, yeah. in the United States at least, that's by far the most common type of stroke uh, uh, other than the uh, transient ischemic. Ischemic. Attack. And why do these little clots form? Do we know? Um, I, yeah, the, um, it isn't quite a deficiency of aspirin, but <laughs> it's related to that. Uh, uh, a serotonin excess, serotonin increases when you're under stress, okay. and especially if you're hypothyroid. Okay. And uh, hyperventilation uh, raises the pH of your blood by, by uh, blowing out the, the CO2, the carbonic CO2. acid. Right. Carbonic acid should be keeping the pH of your blood uh, towards the lower end of the, of the range. And as, as the pH of the blood rises mm-hmm. from hyperventilation, your platelets lose the ability to bind serotonin. Hmm. And so serotonin rises in the blood when you hyperventilate. But serotonin in the brain stimulates respiration and makes you breathe harder. And the doctrine for about 30 years has been claiming that Serotonin produced in your intestine and carried in your bloodstream can't get into the brain to to affect the, the respiration. But it does. in fact, uh, very clear experiments have shown that uh, the the blood brain barrier, as far as serotonin is concerned, really doesn't exist because serotonin breaks down the barrier. So when it's high in the blood, it gets into your brain makes you breathe harder, and if you're low in carbon dioxide to start with, 
it increases the release of serotonin into your bloodstream in a vicious circle. And that could cause then the platelets to do their thing in clots. Uh, yeah, and, and that's how an emotional stress, wow. uh, uh, something that just makes you uh, breathe faster, yeah. if you're hypothyroid, it, it will start the cycle in, in which the pH rises, the serotonin is released from platelets, activates your brain to uh, breathe harder, exacerbating Fascinating. the so can you conjecture then that just angst and tension and planet Earth and worry could be a really chief cause for these strokes that people have? Uh, yeah, hmm. uh, on, on the background of a low thyroid function. On the background of a low thyroid. Because if Mr. Thyroid is happy and you have a TSH, I mean way down, zero, one or two or something, um, and your body temperature is up, it's... Um, the body's not affected by stress as, as badly? Uh, yeah, because your progesterone and DHEA and preg- pregnenolone are being produced uh, generously by the, by the well-circulated uh, uh, blood supply carrying sugar to all these tissues. Wow. Uh, hypoglycemia is something that works with uh, low carbon dioxide in the blood. Uh, they both tend to... Uh, Increase lactic acid, which wastes sugar and uh, makes the problem worse. So low blood sugar actually creates lactic acid. But, I mean, we were taught that sugar is more acid and creates lactic acid. Uh, only if you're under stress and oh. can't, can't oxidize it. The, the, uh-huh. uh, thyroid and progesterone uh, increase your ability to oxidize glucose uh, into carbon dioxide and the carbon dioxide, by regulating the pH, uh, turns off lactic acid production. Uh, so it increases efficiency to increase your metabolic rate. On the, on the thyroid, uh, how powerful of a, of a metric is the body temperature, in your opinion, Dr. Ray Pete, for, for thyroid uh, function? Uh, it, it's almost the... The ruling uh, factor. Uh, if you cool your body to um, uh, 95 or 96 degrees Fahrenheit, it's essentially impossible to uh, metabolize properly. Uh, you don't always metabolize rationally if your temperature is at 100 degrees, hmm. but it, it's a lot easier to uh, get full oxidation all the way to carbon dioxide uh, when you're... And the body temperature is up. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the, the fever production is a curative thing. It's, uh, in a way, it's equivalent to uh, giving a good supplement of thyroid, yeah. progesterone, wow. sugar, and, and calcium, and so on. We had talked to a doc a few, a few months, maybe a month ago, who was suggesting if you get one of these little infrared uh, thermometers, you ever see those? And you can, you know about a foot away from your surface, and you could tell your surface temperature there. And he said if you did it on your big toe, if you're about 90 degrees, that's another indication that your thyroid is happy. Have you ever heard of that? Do you think that could be valid? Uh, well, adrenaline uh, is protective. Uh, when your thyroid is low, you increase adrenaline and serotonin. Right. And, uh, uh, 
primary function of, of adrenaline is to keep the blood flowing to your brain and lungs and heart. And it will make your hands and feet get very, very cold. And a person can still be functioning very well, adapting to the low thyroid by keeping their brain and lungs and heart hot and well supplied with what whatever sugar and oxygen are available. So the, the adrenaline takes the blood out of the extremities to keep things working in the core. So it uh, Which their, is the cold brain, hands and feet, right? That's the cold hands and feet. Uh, right? Yeah. Oh. And uh, when you shake hands with, with a person on a warm day, if they have cold hands, uh, they're very likely uh, hypothyroid, hypothyroid. Unless, unless you're scaring them. So a 90-degree toe with this thing could mean could be a reasonable metric? Um, I, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, if the weather, if the room is warm, sure. uh, your your hands and feet should be reasonably warm. And when they're very cold, uh, it means either that you're uh, being frightened into high adrenaline, or, or that your your thyroid isn't adequate to uh, keep the the heat up in the extremities. Mm -hmm. Here's another question on thyroid. We always get a lot. A uh, question for Doctor Pete. What is the mechanism? for how proper thyroid function and stomach acid break down or neutralize oxalates in the diet. Does it matter how much oxalic acid is consumed? Also, how effective are mineral compounds like magnesium or potassium citrate at preventing the negative effects of oxalic acid? Um, hmm. Do you understand the, the question? Uh, if, if you're... <coughs> Eating enough minerals, the uh, calcium oxalate is likely to precipitate in your stomach and intestine and not even be absorbed. Uh, so I think uh, the, the calcium and magnesium content of your food is protective by, by keeping it uh, out of your system, keeping, keeping the oxalate uh, out of out of your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's an email. I've been having trouble finding good thyroid supplement. Is there anything else to help me with my hypothyroidism? Ism. I'm uh, avoiding polyunsaturated fats. Oh, poofits. Uh, huh? And um, uh, don't eat uh, an excess of uh, uh, uncooked cabbage or, or kale or, or mm. other uh, vegetables of that family. There, when when they're raw, especially, uh, they can be very anti-thyroid. Anti-thyroid. Yeah. Uh, somebody is asking about red light. Putting a red light on your thyroid. What does Doctor Pete think about that to raise uh, thyroid levels? Um, it does have an action, but. Uh, uh, what it's doing mostly is uh, uh, opening blood vessels, ah. and and that that in itself can increase the production of thyroid. Yeah. But uh, it uh, affects the re the respiration of cells. Uh, can can increase efficiency mm -hmm. uh, locally. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think there's a? Yeah, I, I've I've got an experience I just wanted to share with you, Doc. I've been putting black cumin seed oil on my thyroid. And uh, 
little Dima cell and go in the sauna, you know, and let it get hot and the infrared lights and also using the red light and tapping a little bit and just kind of talking to it and, and being saying, Mr. Thyroid, get happier. And my body temperature has gone up really in the last month, probably about a half a degree. So, uh, what kind of oil? Uh, uh, black cumin seed oil. Black cumin. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So you think there, so I'm kind of thinking maybe there is some toxicity I, I had going on and that helped to get that out. I don't know why the black cumin seed oil being heated up would do that. I, I think it is able to catalyze uh, oxidative metabolism. Oh, it's an oxidative, uh, it's an antioxidant. I, from the shape of the molecule, mm-hmm. it, it looks like it would be a, a pro oxidative uh, yeah. pro-thyroid factor. But I've been breathing, I've been breathing the, you know, the hydrogen and the, the water too, so that could be helping. Very interesting, yeah. So that might be something fun for you all to play with. I don't know, I can't give medical advice, but put some black cumin seed on your thyroid and put a little heating blanket on or something, or a red light, you know. It couldn't hurt though, I don't think. Here's a, uh, here's a 58 or 68 year old man on Natrethroid with healthy weight and I've tried many diets, no processed foods and exercise, but still cannot cure type 2 diabetes. Don't want insulin or metformin. What would your uh, uh, experience suggest I try next? Uh, this is from Gene, Jim in Eugene, Oregon. Um, uh, the, the Getting a, a perfect, well-balanced diet is the first thing. Uh, adequate calcium uh, a fairly high ratio of calcium to phosphate in your diet. Uh, not too much meat or beans or nuts uh, because of the high uh, uh, phosphate content in those relative to, to calcium. Uh, and uh, there, there are two main uh, classes of, of food that uh, provide a, a very high calcium magnesium content and low phosphate. Uh, uh, milk and cheese mm. are one, uh, and cooked greens uh, is, the, is the other category. Uh, and uh, vitamin D uh, should be in, in the middle of the range, 50 or 60 uh, nanograms per milliliter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, beyond that, you want to make sure that your your thyroid is good and uh, uh, the pH of the blood and the CO2 level uh, are indicators of that, but uh, I, I don't think blood tests are uh, the most reliable way to measure your your CO2. A, a breath uh, analyzer yeah. is really a, a good. Yeah. Uh, and um, actually using carbon dioxide uh, supplements, uh, absorbing it through your skin or taking little bits of, of baking soda in water, uh, uh, that that will actually uh, uh, suppress the, the lactic acid production if, if you uh, do it in a, a, a graded amount, like a, a half a teaspoon in a half a glass of water a few times a day, uh, will uh, slightly increase the amount of carbon dioxide in your blood, which will increase the hmm. CO2 inside cells adjusting the pH and suppressing the lactic acid production and shifting the cell uh, to be able to oxidize the sugar. Uh, uh, Diabetics, uh, they they talk about uh, 
uh, the sugar not being able to get into the cell, but right. that isn't true. It goes into the cell and it's turned to lactic acid is the problem. Oh, so that, that insulin resistance thing talked about, Dr. Pete, you're saying that it, it's not the whole story. They, um, they got uh, yeah, it wrong somewhere. Yeah, stress, stress increases the, uh, the, the liberation of free fatty acids uh, from your tissues. So uh, apart from the amount of fat you're eating, it, it's the liberation of, of free fatty acids, which get into the cell and uh, shift, uh, block the ability of the cell to oxidize hmm. glucose. Wow. And when glucose isn't being oxidized, it's likely to be turned into lactic acid. Right. And the lactic acid shifts the pH and starts the whole process. Hmm. Uh, here is uh, James. He's listening on Facebook. Can you please ask Dr. Pete some of the best ways to improve the health of my liver? Um. A good diet is the first thing. Um, B vitamins are extremely important for getting things running. Selenium is essential for being able to use uh, the, the thyroid molecules to uh, put it into the right active T3 form. Uh, and um, uh, carbohydrate is very important. Uh, but, but then uh, you, you want to... Uh, periodically check, uh, have a blood test to uh, uh, see if your your vitamin D and, and thyroid uh, hormone is in the right range. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Adrian, Dr. P talks about taking uh, some good forms of sugar. Does he believe that the A1C blood test, which I think, and I'm just adding this point, isn't that over 90 days or something, is a, is a reliable metric to see if I'm taking too much sugar. Um, uh, no, I don't think, you don't it, think so? it relates very closely to sugar because uh, it, mm. it will be influenced by breakdown of free fatty acids. Right. Uh, uh, the polyunsaturated fats uh, break down into fragments that look like uh, uh, the, the sugar fragments, uh, but it, the fats are much more oxidizable and, and toxic the PUFAs are, you, it's easier to oxidize those guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so doing PUFAs will actually raise your A1C. Uh, yeah. Why? As they break down. But doing organic beet sugar or honey or, or maple syrup, that doesn't raise your A1C? Or if it does, do you care? Um, uh, yeah. The, the, the numbers have been exaggerated so that, uh, uh, the lo- lower, uh, then uh, I, I think uh, seven, uh, they found that the sickest people uh, weren't at the highest level. So the numbers were, were cooked a bit to, to well, um, for whatever yeah, the, reason. It, it's a lot more complicated than just sugar causing sure. uh, that to rise. It generally is with you, Dr. Pete. That's why we like you. Here's an email from Trent. I donate blood several times per year. What, in your opinion in the optimal serum ferritin blood level for someone age 70? Um, I, I don't think ferritin is meaningful enough to worry about. Don't even worry about it? Um, uh, watching your, your hemoglobin level uh, uh, at, at the low end of the norm, normal range of hemoglobin, I, I think is the safest place to be. 
Say that again, please. The, uh, the, the low range, uh, low end of the normal range for hemoglobin. Okay. Uh, hemoglobin is, is the essential thing for uh, delivering oxygen, uh, and ferritin can go up and down according to inflammation. Uh, and uh, keeping it in a moderate range uh, usually means that you're uh, uh, not very sick because sickness and inflammation will uh, distort it greatly. And what uh, is the idea that we hear? Uh, oh, excuse me, did I interrupt you when I said more? Uh, uh, the saturation of transfer, transferrin, uh, the percentage uh, saturation uh, should be under 30, a little under 30. Under 30. So what is this idea of giving blood every so often to get rid of excess? Is it iron that people do this? Um, I, that was the traditional idea that it oh. would prevent the accumulation uh, on a standard Western diet. Uh, men constantly during their lifetime tend to accumulate iron. Women after menopause uh, start accumulating it at mm-hmm. the same rate because they aren't losing it. Uh, and and so blood uh, donors were, were seen to maintain uh, an adequate level uh, without so much accumulation with aging. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the last several years, uh, people are seeing that there are other things. Uh, one uh, label for them was uh, stressins, uh, units created by stress, uh, or uh, uh, there, there are several different names for substances released into the bloodstream during stress and aging, and getting rid of those has a slightly rejuvenating effect. Interesting. This is from Elmer. Please ask Dr. Pete the difference between taking something like Pogest-E and pregnenolone powder, and also if I'm trying to lose fat, should we be drinking lower-fat milk? Um, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think um, milk is such an easy uh, nutrient uh, to get almost all of your nutrients that uh, drinking two or three quarts a day is uh, good for most people, but you don't want to drink that much whole milk uh, if you aren't uh, doing very hard labor to burn calories. So 1% is an average uh, amount of uh, fat Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for a person of average activity. Mm-hmm. Totally anecdotal, Dr. Pete, but after starting to drink milk and more and more of it after talking to you over the past few months, raw milk that I'm just warming up a little bit, a little bit of sugar in there, beet sugar, I've, I've gained about, well, I'm starting to lift weights, but I've gained about three pounds already, and that's pretty unusual, that's very unusual for me. I haven't been able to gain weight pretty much my whole life. So that's interesting, interesting information. And that, but it's whole milk, you know, grass-fed whole milk. Uh, yeah, uh, milk contains small amounts of progesterone and thyroid. Ah, okay. Uh, um, uh, in the Three Mile Island nuclear accident, uh, lots of people, lots of babies uh, were born without thyroid glands. Huh. But those who were breastfed, as long as they were being breastfed, uh, the doctors didn't notice that they had no thyroid gland function. Ah. As soon as they were weaned, the absence of, of thyroid showed up, showing that the breast milk was keeping an adequate amount of thyroid to keep them growing. But uh, cow's milk 
isn't as rich in, in thyroid and progesterone. But you get a little milk. bit, though. You get a little I, bit. Yeah, yeah, that small amount adds mm-hmm. to the effect of the calcium to uh, stimulate your metabolic rate slightly. Do we know, or is there any uh, uh, research or um, to show if there's a big difference between grass-fed milk and regular old milk, even if it's organic? Who knows what they're feeding them? Organic feed? Um, Do we know? Uh, yeah, uh, food can be organic and still not be I- ideal. There sure, be of course. Stinky weeds in the That's pasture right. that make it taste bad. Uh, but grass-fed milk has more vitamin E, according to the research. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But not necessarily, we don't know more hormones or uh, progesterone or anything like that. We don't know that. We haven't seen anything there. I, I don't think anyone has tested that. Yeah. Good idea. That'd be great. Thanks for having uh, Dr. Pete on as a regular guest from Chris. Before I ask my question, could you please convey my sincere gratitude for Dr. Pete for helping me deal with a heart issue? This helps me to get out of the clutches of the medical um, world. Here's my question. Why do feet swell up, especially when it is warm? The swelling reduces later in the day and when it is cooler, but does not completely go away. I'm on two grains of natural thyroid and following Dr. Pete's dietary considerations, such as avoiding polys, poofas, drinking some milk and orange juice. Thank you. Hmm. A little sweet, uh, feet swelling, but it seems to when it's warmer. I, I've heard that from quite a few people, uh, but I don't really understand yeah. how, how it works. I, I think it's partly the the shift of, of the nervous system. Uh, you let down your adrenaline uh, a little bit when it's warmer uh, because adrenaline's function is to keep the blood up up in your vital organs mm-hmm. uh, and and when it's warmer, you you can reduce the uh, adrenaline, and that relaxes blood vessels and uh, lets uh, uh, any uh, leakiness show up. Um, but um, I, I think it, it means that you're uh, maybe not producing enough albumin in your liver or, or having some other e- effect of an unbalanced uh, estrogen level. Mm-hmm. Estrogen makes blood vessels leaky uh, and uh, uh, reduces the, the formation of albumin in the liver. Mm-hmm. And albumin, uh, it, it, working with, with sodium, is what keeps the uh, blood, keeps the fluid in the bloodstream uh, rather than leaking out into your feet. Mm-hmm. So so the cold feet, then, it's, a, it's, it's tied with the thyroid low, but then it's the adrenaline combination that's not getting the blood there to the extremities. Is that right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, adrenaline it keeps things working, but it changes the the, the way they work. <laughs> uh, so speaking of estrogen, just uh, came to me. Are these with birth, birth control pills are? I don't know if they're very as popular as they used to be, but uh, are, these, are these estrogen... Um, manipulators for the ladies, and are they are they dangerous? Yeah, yeah. in the thirties, they uh, already knew knew that estrogen prevented implantation or caused miscarriages. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't want to sell a miscarriage pill, <laughs> and uh, all, all through the nineteen forties and fifties, the drug companies realized that it would be a very profitable 
product to sell a birth control pill, but they didn't have the uh, ideology that they knew it killed the embryo, and, and they didn't want to and have the drug company identified as baby killers. But in the, in the 50s, someone uh, thought up the idea that it isn't acting on the uterus, it's acting only on your brain and pituitary, ah. and it's, it's going to stop ovulation. If you can stop ovulation, you won't be accused of, of causing abortions. But that was fake news. I think so. Yeah, yeah. The, the, there was no no evidence. Uh, how how can you see when a woman uh, ovulates an ovum? In an animal, you can uh, uh, dissect them and uh, watch the process and catch the actual ovum. Yeah. But in humans, it was simply uh, declared rather than observed. In general, do you know this? I don't. You may not know this, but. Are these birth control pills still very popular in our culture? People use them, girls, a lot? Do you know? Uh, yeah, the, the first wave of them was causing uh, sometimes fatal hemorrhages, uh, often hmm. uh, disabling strokes by causing clotting in the brain. Uh, and uh, so they, they reduced the amount of estrogen by about a, <coughs> a, a factor of 10. <coughs> from the first first wave of contraceptives uh-huh. uh, and uh, made made them uh, more saleable because so many women were having strokes or, or hemorrhages oh. yeah. but but uh, still the 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 medical literature is heavily biased uh, against recognizing mm-hmm. any uh, damage done by them uh, but uh, still, the literature is out there showing that uh, depression, uh, various mood changes, uh, um, movement disorders, uh, 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 restlessness, uh, lots of problems are still associated with them. Yeah. Dr. Pete, stay right there. Patrick Timponi, we'll, we'll uh, do a quick little break here, and then we'll, we'll get into our last segment uh, with Dr. Ray Pete. OneRadioNetwork.com. Please like these things on Facebook, our videos now, and on YouTube. Subscribe, and all these things help to kind of spread the word, and uh, we appreciate uh, that if you would do that. That would be totally cool. Um, Kathy writes on Facebook today um, that forgot to mention, oh, she wrote two of them, but she said, Kathy says here, forgot to mention that sulfur was one of the first things that helped me to bring my health back and started me having, started me healing. Oh, that's very nice of you, Kathy. If you'd like to try our sulfur, we have a, a great product. Just uh, go on our website, uh, two pounds of sulfur for a particular price and then another price for Canada, another price for uh, worldwide. If you want more than four pounds, email me, Patrick, at oneradionetwork.com and and we'll take care of you. Previously, Dr. Hal Huggins on detoxing mercury. You do not have to get all the mercury out of the body. That's not what the problem is. It's the direction it's going. If you have more going out than you have coming in, then you're going to have a good chemistry. You're going to feel good. But if you have more going in to the body than going out, chemistries look bad and you feel bad. If you had to name just a few things... On the top of your list to help get mercury out, whether they be 
supplements or foods. Give us your top five. Okay. Off the top the of your head. Best thing would be the infrared sauna. The thing is, detoxification is easy. Anybody can release a lot of mercury. But if you're using a sauna or especially the infrared sauna, then you are eliminating the mercury through the skin and you are bypassing liver and kidney. So that's a very good way to go. It certainly is, Dr. Huggins. We love Dr. Huggins. and I'm sure he's doing well wherever he is. If you'd like to get one, just email me. Uh, these are great units, folks. You can see how, how they look here. Uh, there's no plugs. There's no wiring. There's no plumbing. Well, you just plug it in. There's two far infrared units at the front of this unit. If you look at the front, right at the first first two, and you can do just one of those if you don't want it as hot. And this baby will get up there maybe 160, 170 degrees. And believe me, you'll sweat. And as I said, you know, I talked about Dr. Pete and the black cumin seed oil and uh, my body temperature going up on my thyroid. Yeah, I put it all over my thyroid with a little DMSO, and then you just kind of scoot down in the chair, as you can see the lady there, and then your thyroid is, is uh, you know, covered. So you can use it, and then you can do the black cumin seed oil. You can do it on your tummy or, or a little bit of turpentine, pure pine gum spirits on your tummy with DMSO. Well, you probably don't need it and get in the th- uh, So there's a lot of cool things you can do with this sauna. Also put... Uh, turpentine or castor oil on the bottom of your feet, and that'll soak in there with a nice hot. So they're fun, and uh, we'll, I'll get, we'll get you one for nine ninety five, nine hundred ninety five delivered, continental U.S. And if you'd like to get one and you live around the world, just simply email me and we'll hook you up for a pretty good price. Now's the time to get them nine ninety five. Have it for the holidays. Just email me, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. We love this product that you're seeing the picture of. It's called Pearlseum. Now, Chinese medicine and um, Ayurvedic medicine have used for uh, hundred, well, thousands of years, have used pearl for beauty, for um, uh, longevity. Uh, you can use pearl on your face with a face cream. You can you can brush your teeth with it, which is amazing. And this, uh, you can also take it internally. It, it's proven by science to really work. It has, it's made, it's real live pearl, which I believe is calcium carbonate. I think that's what it is. And Dr. Pete, we, he, while he wasn't endorsing this product, he said the calcium carbonate was a good way to take calcium. So, so we thought so. And, and of course, it wouldn't be around for thousands of years if the pearls, you know, if the calcium was, was ending up in your, you know, in your, in your arteries, you know, it just doesn't do it with this product. I would get two containers to get two little green containers and, uh, and then put one in your bathroom, one in your where your supplements are. Brush your teeth with it. You can take a little bit before bed. It helps you to sleep. It's a very nice product. Pearl Seum, real pearl. That's all there is in there. Nothing else. Real pearl from OneRadioNetwork.com. We talk about your health, wealth, and well-being on OneRadioNetwork.com. Dr. Ray Pete has a website, and you can check it out. It's RayPete.com, and we always put a link on his show page, and you can click on there and support Dr. Pete's work by getting his newsletter, which comes out, Dr. Pete, what, every uh, every couple months, right? Every two months. Two months, yeah. Every two months. What's your latest one about? Progesterone. Oh, proge- of course. <laughs> Progesterone. Uh, it'll be out in about two weeks. And you look at your bio, I mean, you were looking at this, uh, what, 50 years ago? Yeah. 
Wow. I'm, I, I'm uh, putting putting in a little bit of the history, but mm-hmm. uh, 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 bring bringing it up to date. <clears throat> Um, yep. Putting putting in some of the recent carbonic acid, carbon dioxide connections. Yeah, yeah. Here's an email. What's the percentage, or what percent, of tryptophan ingested from food is converted to serotonin? Hmm. Uh, that depends on your level of stress uh, and uh, other other things, but uh, it, it can be. Uh, very high when you're under stress. Uh, uh, other times, uh, uh, very little of it. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting question. Is risk-taking in life conducive or not to be, uh, or not, oh, to the state of learned helplessness? Is risk-taking involved in the being in the state of learned helplessness? Do you talk about learned helplessness? Oh, quite a bit, yeah. yeah. Uh, serotonin turns turns on the stress system, but it can also uh, turn off the adaptive things, such as uh, production of of progesterone. Uh, and you can break out of learned helplessness by increasing your energy. Uh, thyroid uh, is a, a crucial thing in in stopping learned helplessness. And what exactly is learned helplessness? Uh, um, the the term uh, relates to the old studies in in which they uh, convinced a a rat uh, that escape was impossible. Uh, But but, uh, the the animal in that state would allow itself to drown very easily because it it saw no uh, use in swimming. Its heart would simply stop uh, uh, after maybe just a few minutes of, of resisting. But if they uh, put the animal in the, the tortured situation that caused it to become helpless, if they then uh, showed it uh, some exit possibility, it, it uh, in effect vaccinated it against stress hmm. so that when dropped into the, the water, uh, instead of drowning in a few minutes, sometimes they would uh, resist and swim for more than a day. Uh, Interesting. Uh, simply, simply a mental change, something they learned. Uh, that, that's why uh, it wasn't uh, called a, a physical thing. It was a learned helplessness. I see. Uh, somebody wants to know, is that Mexico that you two were talking about, does it have cocaine in it? Uh, which thing? Mexico. Oh, oh uh, I think all coke uh, is made from an extract of the coca leaf. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, they, uh, uh, around 1940, were, were told to remove the cocaine, and so there there are molecules closely related to cocaine that I think are, are beneficial. Uh, uh, some of the same benefits that the, the Coca leaf chewers have for endurance and and uh, anti-inflammatory and such, but uh, uh, according to the uh, official analysis, uh, the, the real cocaine has been removed. Mm-hmm. Would you ask Doctor Pete to talk about free will and determinism? Um, hmm. That 
might take a while. Well, um, if you're if you're into it, we are. We have no place to go. It's up to you, sir. Uh, um, the um, I think we life in general, things in general. I, I think we are determined to have free will. Hmm. Uh, it, it's part of our, our nature, part yes. of the nature of, yeah. of every living thing. Uh, and uh, like the I mentioned, the formation of soot molecules, extremely complex, organized, symmetrical molecules formed spontaneously when methane explodes. Uh, you, you get some carbon dioxide, oxygen consumes the hydrogens, but the carbon atoms have an intrinsic uh, order, uh, ordering principle. Uh, uh, they spontaneously organize into these uh, uh, very, very big complex molecules. Uh, and I think that spontaneous tendency to uh, Im- improve things, create order out of chaos, mm-hmm. uh, I-, I think that's uh, where determinism uh, affects free will, so that the, the situation, uh, the carbon atoms uh, didn't uh, have, have a written plan for what they were going to do, but it was in their nature, uh, given the opportunity to create uh, high orders of, of organization. Uh, I, th- I think our uh, I- inherent uh, free will is uh, I- intending to create a high-level uh, order. As we as we press forward, moving in our life, our free will is what's creating order and more peace and love. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in other words, mm-hmm. I, I I think we're uh, biased uh, against the creation of chaos. Yeah. And inclined towards the creation of, of order. Yeah. I like that. That's great. Good for you. Um, as women get older, Ellen wants to know, what are signs of low progesterone? As women get older, what are signs of low progesterone? Okay. I'm just about everything uh, <laughs> in everything. aging. <clears throat> it's so at the, at the center of life and stability. Ah. Uh, that, um, uh, for, for example, weakening bones, uh, loss of elasticity in the skin, loss of moisture and, and oil production in the skin, uh, uh, stiffening uh, of uh, joints and arteries, uh, uh, a change, uh, uh, reduced uh, uh, curiosity and initiative, mm. uh, uh, less interest in, in adventure, uh, more interest in security, uh, uh, everything from uh, uh, mental processes down to to the smallest. Wow. Uh, and uh, is this for both male and female in general? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've been listening to several of your shows, and you have a Dr. Pete. I think they're just great. Thank you so much for having come on. Well, it's our pleasure Here's a question. Recently, uh, I've seen new cookware in department stores, titanium ceramic nonstick. Does Dr. Pete think this would be safe to use? Titanium ceramic nonstick. Um, I, I, without uh, yeah. seeing 
uh, and any tests of it, I, I would uh, refrain from uh, using it to cook anything acidic because ceramics, uh, unless they're specially designed to to resist acid and corrosion, uh, uh, you wouldn't want to um, uh, cook a, a tomato sauce on it, for example, right. in case it might release titanium into your uh, food. So generally, though, we've heard that the pure ceramic, like La Creuset, that expensive stuff, is is, is good cookware. Is is that your opinion as well? Pure ceramic um, or not? Uh, Did I just no, hear you say not with spaghetti sauce? Uh, uh, ceramics, uh, re- remember, uh, lead, lead-based ceramics no. were, were a major problem. Uh, and uh, uh, ceramics aren't, aren't necessarily acid-resistant. Hmm. Uh, it takes some, some special chemistry to... Uh, uh, the, the, the more it's like a, a simple silicon glass surface, uh, the safer it is. So glass is really that you can. I don't know if they even make it anymore. I think it's a vision cookware. It's you can find them online. I got a whole set on eBay, but I think that's probably some of the best, right? Glass. Oh, oh, sure. That's yeah. what I've been using for years. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, folks, uh, they don't sell it anymore. It's called vision cookware, but you can go on eBay and buy a whole set for. Pretty inexpensive. I don't know. People just stocked them up when they knew they were going out of out of style or something. Here's this is a good one. Oral micronized progesterone is it equal to progest E and its effect? Um, uh, that's what the drug companies are, are now uh, for, for for several years now. They've been uh, selling progesterone. Uh, it, usually in, in an emulsion or um, uh, just a, a, a paste of, of um, a peanut oil and micronized progesterone. Uh, and uh, so the progesterone is mostly in, in a crystalline, though micronized mm-hmm. form. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of that, uh, as your bile uh, emulsifies the peanut oil, uh, very little of the progesterone uh, goes in the solution because peanut oil isn't a great solvent. Ah. Uh, uh, like the, the girl I mentioned that uh, ha- had no effect from the, the vegetable oil dissolved uh, progesterone because it had crystallized out in a period mm-hmm. of two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it, uh, as it contacts the, the micronized crystals, uh, contacting your intestine uh, surface w- will uh, be taken up uh, molecules released from the from the crystals uh, will go directly from your intestine to the liver and will then be attached to a, a sugar-like molecule glucuronic acid uh, which then circulates uh, through the body but quickly leaves in the urine uh, that causes the progesterone to have a very different effect uh, from the natural form that uh, circulates in the fats. And so when it's uh, dissolved in vitamin E, vitamin E, uh, as it's emulsified by, by the bile, uh, breaks up and enters uh, the form of chylomicrons, which enter uh, the body in a very different pathway, uh, going through the wall of the intestine into the lymphatic vessels, oh. 
which then the chylomicrons dump into your general circulation, bypassing the liver, and uh, it, the chylomicrons uh, are we normally process uh, our, our fats through this system, and this lets the progesterone distribute through the whole system, um, getting uh, equilibrated under red blood cells, uh, under the uh, uh, cholesterol-carrying proteins, uh, and um, other cells, uh, <clears throat> so that it can pass endlessly through the liver uh, in these forms. Uh, the, the red blood cells can keep it in circulation for more than a day after one dose. Uh, it, it goes into the red blood cells from the chylomicrons, for example, uh, to be uh, at a higher concentration inside the cell than in the, the serum, uh, where, where the micronized progesterone, uh, as far as it hits the intestine wall, is going straight to the liver to be uh, glucuronidated and excreted. How do you remember all this stuff? Oh, uh, just <laughs> I, I you're you're uh, is it right? You're 83 uh, revolutions around the sun. You're 83. Yeah. Wow, man. Whatever you're doing, sir, you're you're doing something good. You remember all that stuff? Um, uh, it, it's um, see, seeing the pattern. Yeah. Uh, the, the, it, uh, the, the the way a cat learns, uh, for example. <laughs> uh, uh, they, they can keep a cat in a cage for a long time, uh, but uh, once it sees how the, how the lock works, if it's uh, some sort of a latch, uh, once it sees the way out out of the cage, it never forgets. It never forgets. Uh, That's great. Uh, but but if you teach it something by rote, it'll forget it the next day. Uh. Ah, so, so you, you get it at a deep level of who you are because of your passion, and it's like it's there for you. It's not I, like you have to remember a phone number or something. Uh, uh, yeah, it's seeing how things work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, James is on Facebook, says, I don't have set meal times, and I just kind of follow my hunger signals. Uh, is this negatively affecting my circadian rhythms or anything else I should care about? Just even I, when you're hungry? I, I don't really think so. I, I, I think it's uh, okay to eat whenever you yeah. feel like it. Yeah, right. uh, the experiments on mice uh, cl- claim that it's good good to uh, go a long time to fast for a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of things are involved. Mice are nocturnal animals. They normally eat at night. And uh, just changing their, their schedule... Creates such stresses uh, that it's hard to extrapolate from from yeah. rodents to people, especially things like eating. Yeah, Ellie says I'm fascinated with the conversation about milk. I've never really thought about drinking milk, and I'm I was just wondering. I'm kind of an extreme girl. Could you really just live on good milk? I mean, could you live? Uh, could you? I guess I guess you could. Uh, yeah, people have have fasted create, on. a milk diet of. of Thirty to sixty days on just milk, but uh, you get iron deficient if you try to live on it, because uh, the, the the pregnant woman's high estrogen causes her to absorb a very large amount of of calcium and iron, oh. and 
Uh, so the baby comes out very highly charged with iron and uh, to uh, overcome that uh, load of iron, it has to have a diet essentially free of iron for uh, up to a year so that it grows into the large amount of iron that it has stored in its liver and bones. Interesting. So so it's all set up so when they're just nursing with nothing else, it's get everything. So and later on, though, you don't uh, have, then, you don't have yep. the iron. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yep. Yeah. How would you supplement the iron if you wanted to do milk for a long time? Oh, egg, eggs are eggs? A, a very good source. Yeah, yeah. Ray Pete mentioned on the last show, uh, wearing a sleeping hat. Um, does he, does it matter what it's made out of? Not at all, as long as it's comfortable and warm. And so what's going on at night? I like to wear these little socks, you know, and put some oil on the winter, you know, like sesame seed oil, and then put these little socks on. That's kind of fun. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. When tissues get below, I think it's about 90 degrees, uh, your hands and feet easily can get down to that temperature. The cells start producing the white blood cells passing through those cold areas. Ah will start producing inflammatory signals, which they carry up to the rest of your body. Ah. And uh, so uh, cold feet uh, really can affect your brain. Yeah. Maybe that's why Ayurveda's talked about doing the sesame oil, you know, at night and putting these little socks on. And yeah, it's kind of fun, especially in the winter when it's so dry. It's a very nice thing. So you all might try that. Uh, Ian writes in, um, I would like to ask Dr. Pete's opinion on the cause of vertigo, and what he would do to combat it, vertigo. A, a very common cause is um, uh, toxic bacterial growth in the intestine causing uh, a surge of serotonin uh, leading to a, a balance that shifts uh, uh, water into your vestibular ap- apparatus that uh, governs your your balance. Uh, uh, that's probably 90% of the cases of vertigo, mm-hmm. but uh, there there are other, other reasons. types uh, yeah. that I- involve uh, a serotonin, dopamine, and, and histamine I- imbalance mm-hmm. farther down in your brain, not mm-hmm. just in the uh, balance apparatus itself, but in the uh, brainstem, uh, the reticular apparatus that feeds the information to your balance system, uh, maybe one or two percent of the vertigo people are are having a, a chemical imbalance farther down. But the first thing to concentrate on is is cleaning up your intestine. Intestines, wow. Yeah. Well, Doctor Pete, I think we did pretty good today. Thanks for sticking around so long. We really always enjoy talking to. You. So, what are you gonna have for Thanksgiving? Like turkey and stuff and everything. I think so, turkey or maybe a lamb roast. Lamb roast or something, yeah. And your newsletter, we'll put a link on our show if people want to get that for you. How much is it? Uh, very inexpensive, very affordable. At $28 by email. <laughs> for a year, right? Um, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to mention a, a book that people can sure, <clears throat> sure. find on... <clears throat> Uh, it was written in 1905 called Carbonic Acid in Medicine uh, by Achilles Rose uh, and Robert Kemp. Uh, 
has some very interesting stuff about the history of of therapeutic use of carbon dioxide. That oh, cool! It, uh, it, it's just now starting the last five years to come back into medicine as a therapeutic oh, anti-inflammatory a car, a carbon dioxide. Yeah. So it's uh, the name of the book is Carbonic Acid in Medicine. In Medicine, and the author. Um, Achilles Rose. Rose. You can probably get it on Amazon or somewhere. Uh, it, yeah, it's free. Uh, I don't know exactly where I found it, but it, it is on the internet. Oh, you can find uh, it. You can find it somewhere. Yeah, for for no cost. Well, it's pretty interesting that all our political heroes want to tax CO two. So I am not sure what that's about. I mean, it's so good for you. Why would you tax it? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you don't have to respond to that. <laughs> Dr. Pete, thank you. We love your work and we love you, sir. And you take care and we'll see you next month, okay? Oh, okay, thank you. Thank you, bye. Bye. Yeah, you didn't have to mess around with that one. <clears throat> yeah. Well, great fun. You get so many emails about uh, Dr. Pete and having him on the show and we're glad to do it. It's just, he's just a great guy to talk to, huh? So, we are going to go out in the sun, thank you very much, and uh, hang out there for a while. The Real World of Money with Fred Dashevsky will be, he'll be here tomorrow. And uh, Fred Zanika, he's, uh, uh, you know, he stays on as best he can with everything that's been going on in his life. And uh, there's so much cool stuff to talk about with the uh, with the money thing. Let me find my slide that I want to take off. So, he'll be here tomorrow. And then we're going to talk to a, a gentleman. Uh, his name is Dan Root, and he is uh, really doing some interesting work with the sauna, with niacin and the flushing and the whole thing. So that'll be fun, a detox. So we're going to do that on Thursday and maybe somebody else. So thank you and uh, appreciate you being here. Please uh, spread the word on now that we're video and even all the audio, remember we have about 3,000 uh, podcasts and audio on our website, One Radio Network, and you can go there and put your whatever you're interested in in our search function, and it's a pretty good one. I mean, it's it'll find a lot of things, either you know, a particular thing like thyroid or, or detox or, or put a person's name in there. You'd be surprised after 12 years on this show of how many people we've talked to. So... Uh, we get folks a lot will say, why don't you have this person? And I always check my search engine first on our One Radio Network, and generally we've already talked to them, but that doesn't mean we can't do it again. So let us know people you'd like to hear from. Um, thanks for your ongoing support. Please like us on Facebook and YouTube and subscribe and all that stuff, all that geeky stuff, and that helps spread the word. So we'll talk about money tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Bring your money questions to Facebook and also to One Radio Network. And remember that you're doing the best you can. I mean, regardless of what anybody says, you know, you are doing the best you can. We all are. Every moment, every moment, we're doing the best we can. So I love you all very much. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. OneRadioNetwork.com.